Chicago's Game Day with Fred Hubner on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Second and eight, here's Trubisky. Hansa pursuing, but he got rid of it. And the interception. What a job by Slay. Big play, Darius Slay. Both feet down. Looked like a wide receiver. Interception. And the Lions will take over. 30 seconds left. There is the interception. And it's thrown to Darius Slay. The one guy who, if you look at the Lions, you think maybe he's the Lions' Pro Bowl caliber player. I don't think I was. I was more more looking guys off or, or trying to see what they were doing. I mean, they, they play coverage with their eyes on me the whole time, so it probably looks like I'm staring at them, but I'm just trying to move guys and, and find my receivers open. So, well, There weren't many receivers open yesterday for Mitchell Trubisky early, late in the game. Yeah, a lot of people open, and... Uh, Trubisky and the Bears lose to Detroit. We're here to talk about it. 312-332-3776. Fred Hubner with you for the next three hours. Not only will we talk Bears and Lions and Bears and Trubisky and Bears and Fox and just flat-out Bears, we'll also get into some baseball later on in the show as Jesse Rogers writing an article about uh, why the Cubs should go after Manny Machado. We'll do that probably later around the 11 o'clock hour. And uh, we'll also talk about some of the remaining free agents. But we'll get to that around 11. We'll also work in some talk about the other game last night as Kansas City takes control of the AFC West with a win over the Chargers. Boy, the Chargers look like the Chargers of old, didn't they? Interceptions and all kinds of bad things. And you wonder why that Chiefs team went into such a funk losing six of seven games. It's hard to understand after you see the way they played last night at home. Fred Hubner with you. Welcome on in. The Chicago Bears go to Detroit, and uh, I expected a heck of a lot more. I'm sure you probably did, too. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. One of my big questions, and I'm, I'm listening to people, I'm listening to uh, Chris Black and Adam Abdallah on the way in. I'm listening to other people on my uh, Twitter, and uh, they were railing on me because of one of my stances that I've been uh, consistent on for the last two or three years. We'll get to that in just a second also. But I'm trying to figure out, as a Bears fan, do you want the Bears to play to win, or do you want them to play to develop Mitchell Trubisky? Now, the problem you may have here, 312-332-3776, the one problem you have here is the head coach needs to try and win. The other players on the team that are not rookies are going out there trying to win the football game. No one wants to go on out and be embarrassed. Yesterday, only a 10-point loss, but let's be honest, it was worse than that. Uh, three interceptions for Trubisky. If you're just thinking, hey, we want to develop Mitchell Trubisky, then you just drop back and throw the ball. And that's basically what he did yesterday. You go in to take on Detroit, a team that you ran the ball for 222 yards at Soldier Field just a few weeks ago. And what happened yesterday? The Bears ran 15 times for a total of 43 yards. Jordan Howard had 15 carries for 125 yards in the first game against Detroit. Tariq Cohen, 9 carries for 44 yards. That's 24 carries for 169 yards between the two of them. Yesterday, the two combined for 12 carries for 38 yards. How can a offense, 
How can a rushing offense that has rushed for 200, more than 220 yards four times this season, four, how can a team that runs that for that many yards four times during the year rush for 43 yards against the Detroit Lions? The Detroit Lions are not a good defense. I Granted, Ziggy Ansah was there yesterday, okay? and But I don't understand how that can happen. I don't understand. It doesn't make any sense to me. You've got to run the ball. You've got to stay with it. You're a running team. And they come out throwing the ball for the second week in a row. The very first play from scrimmage, they throw the ball to Jordan Howard. He dropped the ball last week. He caught the ball this week. He's getting better. Okay? Jordan Howard after the game, I don't know if you saw any of his comments uh, after the contest. They were all short. I think they were all, in soundbite-wise, they were all between two and seven seconds. Um, he didn't seem very happy, and he shouldn't have been because the Bears did not play well. Now, I'm not sure how much of it's on the coaching and the play calling. A lot of it's on the play calling. If they can't run the ball and won't stick to run the ball, that's a big problem I have. 13 penalties for 97 yards. And we're going to have Patrick Finley on from the Sun-Times. He's nice enough to join us around 10 o'clock. And a lot of people blame the coaching for the penalties. And I don't, you got to explain that to me. I've been watching the game for a long time. And no matter what a coach does, once the players take the field, I can't blame a coach for Eddie Goldman getting a unsportsmanlike conduct call on the very first play of the Lions offense during the day. I can't blame the coaching for Houston Carson holding on Tariq Cohen's 90-yard kick return, okay? I can't blame the coaches for that. I'm just trying to figure out why everybody and how everybody can blame the coaches for 13 penalties, 97 yards. There was a drive the Bears had. I don't know if you want to call it a drive. There was a situation where they had three straight penalties. Grassou was in because of injuries to the offensive line. And he gets a 15-yard holding penalty. Okay? Then you have Bellamy with a hold and a delay of game. Every delay of game penalty, I'm sorry, is on the quarterback. There's a big clock in each end zone that shows you how much time is left in the play clock. I don't want to hear the coach didn't get the play call in in time. Um, sometimes the wide receivers don't go in motion. That's on the wide receivers. You know the plays. You're supposed to know the plays at least. And if you're not running them, that's your fault. The coaches drill them into you. That's what they do. So I don't quite understand how this happened. I'm one of the guys where I know that the players are going to go out there and try to win. The players want to win each and every game. I don't care about tanking and getting a higher pick, even though the Bears with the loss, if things work out, they have improved from 8-5, to I think, after the loss yesterday. I'm not into the whole tanking thing, okay? And either of the rest of the players, there's 53 players in this team. One of them needs to develop and needs to develop quickly, and that's Mitchell Trubisky. But there's a reason that the Bears went out and got Mike Lennon. And you're seeing it now on the field. The Bears knew that Mitchell Trubisky was not ready yet to play. They put him in after four games because Mike Lennon was turning the ball over, and they said, okay, let's start his development now. But they can only throw so many things at him. That's it. They can only throw so many things at him. After the game, Mitchell Trubisky said, yeah, the effort was there. Everyone's just got to make a conscious effort. 
to say we're not going to make penalties anymore. We're going to play clean football. And, uh, and I don't know, what am I going to say to my guys for, for holding? I mean, they're, they're blocking for me, so I can never say anything to my linemen because they're out there protecting me, and I love that. So the effort's there. We just got to keep playing technical. We just got to be sound. Same thing with the receivers on the outside. They're blocking for their running back. So you know, I'm never going to say anything to a guy for having their teammates back, you know. So um, the, the effort's there. We just got to be uh, better with our hands and, and just keep playing aggressive. Those, those kind of things happen, but uh, I'm just proud that we have each other's back. You're always blocking for your guy. You're always giving that effort. Do you get called for one here, here and there? Yeah, you do, but... Um, the efforts there and we just we just need to eliminate those somehow so uh whether it's just setting up the blocks or or just or just having better technique so the efforts there i'm proud of that but we yeah we just gotta eliminate them first time i heard that cut from mitchell trubisky after the game yesterday it was on nbc sports chicago their post-game show and i thought he was referring to not calling his guys out to the media listening to it again he sounded like he was calling saying that he wouldn't call his guys out at all. And that's a little, you know, if you're the quarterback, it's your job to say, hey, stop the holding. We had a nice play. Don't let it happen again. Things like that. That's your job as a quarterback. As a rookie quarterback, maybe it's going to take a little bit longer. But from what we heard about Josh Sitton talking about Mitchell Trubisky, how he was yelling at Sitton because he was leaving the uh, huddle early, I'm thinking that Trubisky does tell his guys, hey, listen, we had a great play. You can't do that, and hopefully he does, because that's what a quarterback needs to do in the National Football League. He needs to take command of the huddle. He needs to be the leader on the team, and if, in fact, he's not going to call out his guys for holding or blocking in the back or any of those things, well, that's, that's, you know, he'll learn. That's another thing he's going to be learning, I guess, in the National Football League. 312-332-3776. So I want to know what you want. Do you want the Bears to play to win? Or do you want them to develop Trubisky? Because it's tough to do both. Let's go on out to Hillside and Malik. Malik, Malik, you're on ESPN 1000. What's going on? Hey, how's it going, my man? Um, just wanted to talk about the, the development of the Bears team as a whole, man. Uh, I, I really, I look at Mr. Trubisky, and he's kind of suffering from the same thing like uh, Lonzo Ball in somewhat of a comparison. Like, yeah, he's, uh, we traded up to get him. Uh, but we have no talent around this kid, man. I mean, the running game is amazing. Like, uh, for, for what the, what we have on the offensive line and what the running backs have been able to do, I think it's a plus. I didn't see that coming this year. Uh, the fact that we can win games running the ball 30, 40 times a game and him only passing 10, 12 times in a game, like, that's unheard of. Uh, the defense has some, some, some holes, man. I don't think we should tank. I've never been a fan of tanking. Uh, but we gotta we gotta get this kid some receivers. I I, I like the kid Shaheen, the tight end, but he's not a great pass catcher. He's good on the run blocking side of everything. He has zero receivers, man, on the offensive side and on the defensive side. We need corners and safeties. I think our front seven they come to play every single game. I've watched every game this bear season. Kyle Fuller is a scrub. He <laughs> he cannot tackle to save his life. He's okay on the coverage side. I, uh, he, he aggravates me every single game. I see him go for somebody's leg and just whip, whips on a tackle. It drives me crazy. But that front seven comes to play. That offensive line comes to play. Mr. Trubisky comes to play. Who are you going to pass it to? 
Of course he's going to have a holding penalty. He's got to hold the ball for 30 seconds to find a receiver. I mean, this kid is good. I, I've seen bad rookies. I've seen uh, what the kid Clinton, who started yeah. the season off, who's terrible, slow foot, can't outrun a, a sloth. But I like this kid, man. I just think we got to, as Bears fans, we got to give the, the team time to put some pieces around them. This draft is going to be major for for uh, the front office this year. This draft right here. Who are they going to put to give this kid help? Yeah. Are they going to go offense or are they going to show up that defense? I know I'm running all the time, but you go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say, Malik, we appreciate the call as always. Uh, the, the draft is going to be huge for Ryan Pace because he's got to get it right. Now, uh, there was talk the other day about drafting a receiver number one in the draft. I don't, I know they need receivers. But I don't know that a receiver is their absolute number one need. Uh, the offensive line is, is difficult, especially with all the injuries they've had. Uh, if you, they're going to stick with Leno and Massey where they are, great, I guess. But I know they have them under contract. I'm not a fan of either one of them. I know Leno had a holding call yesterday. But you're right. They need receivers. And I don't think they're going to be able to get all the receivers they need by trades. They're going to have to go on out and find another veteran receiver, someone that can come in and play. I don't know if you noticed this yesterday. Marcus Wheaton doubled his catches for the year. He had two yesterday. He had one going into the game. Marcus Wheaton, the guy they brought over for $6 million, finally made a couple of catches. And uh, you're you're right about the defense. I love the defense. I think the defense brings it. Even yesterday, the defense played well. Except, okay, you ready for this? Except on third down. Okay. Third down in the second quarter, Kyle Fuller. Five-yard illegal use of hands on a third and six. He got his hands up into the helmet, the face mask of a guy, on a play that the bear, it would have turned the ball over. Games or the ball goes over, Bears get it. Instead, what happens? Detroit goes down, kicks another field goal. Later in the second quarter, and I think everyone knows about this one, Stafford drops back, he scrambles, he gets open, and what's he do? He throws a long, long pass, and it's a jump ball. First of all, it shouldn't have been a jump ball. Eddie Jackson should have knocked it down. And after the game, Jackson said he didn't say that it was a rookie mistake. He said it was just a jump ball and the guy out jumped me. No, you got to knock the ball down on a situation like that. But before that, even before that, Prince of Mukamara, five-yard defensive holding penalty on a third and eight that was incomplete. So you're right about the secondary. The secondary needs to improve. I was a fan of Prince Mukamara coming over. I thought a veteran cornerback, he's made some nice plays, but you can't get called for penalties on third down, and the Bears did it too often yesterday. You can't do it. You absolutely can't do it. The front seven, it's tough because they're not even there. I mean, Eddie Goldman gets an unsportsmanlike conduct call in the very first play the defense is on the field for. Uh, Pernell McPhee gets hurt again. Chris Prasinski with a concussion. He's a backup. You've got uh, Leonard Floyd out. Hopefully he returns and is able to play. I like, obviously, Akeem Hicks and what he's doing. He got back into the sack category. You had Lamar Houston with a couple of sacks yesterday. He's a guy they let go and went back out and got because of all their injuries. I like their offense, their defensive line. I think they have the makings of a good defense. I'm just concerned that if, in fact, they lose Vic Fangio when the season's over, 
that they're going to have to rebuild the defense, maybe a different scheme and everything else. And I'm a little concerned about that. Uh, let's get back to the phone calls. 312-332-3776. Talking about the Bears. 20 to 10 a loss. A lots to talk about. We'll talk to Patrick Finley of the Sun Times around 10 o'clock. Let's go on out to Hinsdale and Chris. Chris, you're on ESPN 1000. What's going on? Hey, Fred, let me start by saying you are my favorite celebrity on ESPN radio. So thank you, you're Chris. You're a Sox fan. I love that. I can't, Cat makes me laugh, but I can't stand how much he loves the Cubs. <laughs> but let's go back to the Bears. Yeah. Everybody complains that Mitchell hasn't been throwing the ball. So he throws the ball yesterday. Now you're complaining that he's throwing the ball. That's what we want, right? We want to see him throw. Well, see, that's what, that was my biggest question. Because if you, if you just want him to drop back and throw the ball, then you don't want the team to win. And people criticize, Fox, and there's a lot of criticism out there, and they criticized Dal Loggins for not having him throw the ball and for playing a more conservative offense. My thing is that the kid still is a young guy, okay? He wasn't supposed to be playing this year. That's They drafted him, and that's why they got Mike Lennon. Now, Glennon sucked, and they had right. to put Trubisky in. The problem is Trubisky's learning on the fly each and every week. He's trying to learn and it's it's not easy to learn the National Football League. So they're trying to win. The thing I problem I have with yesterday is they come out running the throwing the ball against the team they ran the ball for two hundred and twenty yards against them here in Chicago. There was no reason for them to come out throwing the ball. You gotta pound the ball and you gotta get a victory. I know people want a higher draft pick, but the rest of the team was out there and they want to win games. And that's bottom line, that's what it's all about. It's winning games in the NFL. Right, but I, I still think we need to see. I don't think he, I mean, I think the Bears wasted that pick. I don't think he's a good quarterback. I don't think he's going to last. I don't think he's that smart. I think he's really having trouble reading the defense still after playing. You know, he's been playing some games now in the NFL. He just doesn't seem like he's catching on. And as far as the weapons go, everybody complained about Cutler. Cutler didn't have any weapons. No. He didn't have anybody to throw to. He didn't. I mean, if the running game was as good as it is now with Cutler's arm and Cutler's brain, I think the Bears would have been more successful. So. I don't know. I, I just, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I hate all the Mitch hype. I don't think he's the real deal. And I don't, you know, I don't see him being around in the next two or three years. Well, and Chris, we appreciate it. And I appreciate the kind words. I got a feeling that he's going to be here. I also think that somewhere in the draft, Ryan Pace is going to draft another quarterback for competition for Mitchell Trubisky. We don't know right now. I mean, he's a young guy. We don't know if he's going to be good enough to play and start and be a dominant quarterback in this league. He, again, 13 games in college. So many people are trying to compare him and hope for Carson Wentz or hope for a Jared Goff. Now, Tommy Waddles brought this up numerous times, and I've said it too because I've quoted Tommy. Um, but Carson Wentz played five years. He was in college for five years. He redshirted a year. I know it was North Dakota State, but they played a pro-style offense. So when he came to the NFL, he had some success right off the bat. And then Philadelphia struggled. And then this year, they were very, very good. Now he's out for the year with the ACL. Jared Goff, same thing. Three years at Cal. He played all the time. Mitchell Trubisky had 13 games. He's still learning. He's still a pup when it comes to the NFL. Now, you see some of his passes. Yesterday, he did complete 31 for 46, 314 yards. Everyone say, well, a lot of that was garbage time. Yeah, it was, but you know what? He can learn from garbage time. 
He can learn how to throw to some of his guys. He can learn how to read some defenses in garbage time. Okay. He did throw some, uh, some tough ones. He threw uh, a tough interception in the end zone and talked about it afterwards. I just lost him in my vision and I thought I had a head trail in the back of the end zone. So I kind of just uh, forced one there. Um, good, good coverage and call by them. And uh, I, I just got to throw the ball away so we can get a field goal. And, and not force it. John Fox talked after the game. We'll get to a lot of things he talked about. Well, one of them was he's impressed with Trubisky's growth. I've been super, super impressed. You know, for you know, I mean, his growth, his production as as we've gone. Um, you know, and including I haven't watched the tape yet. It's going to be hard to say. I think you know, you look at the box score, and you know, people talk about the three picks, but you know, I don't know exactly what happened on all of them. Uh, a couple of them appeared to be overthrows, but you know, we need to go back and look at it in the in the film room. Um, but I've I've loved I've loved how he's grown and matured, and even today with a screen pass, you know, he spiked it in the dirt. Um, just you know, he's had steady growth. And I think he's improving every week. See, and that's the one thing, uh, John Fox. Uh, He's not going to come out and criticize his quarterback, okay? But I agree with him on a lot of things. Trubisky is growing, but he's coming from, you know, an infant stage. And it's going to take him a little while to learn this game, especially since he hasn't had receivers, especially since they run a conservative offense. No matter who the quarterback was, the Bears would run a conservative offense. We'll get to the fourth and one call in just a little bit, too, right after the bottom of the hour sports center. But, uh, yeah, fourth and one yesterday in the second quarter, and uh, they decide not to go for that. We'll talk about that when we come back. Let's get back to the phones, 312-332-3776. Let's head on out to Louisville. And Nick, you're on ESPN with Thousand. What's going on? Hey, Brad. Hey, Nick. Uh, yeah, my my big question, uh, or one of the best things about the outcome of yesterday's game, is that we know that John Fox will be coaching his last Bears game in, in two weeks. I was kind of worried about us kind of going on a, on a stretch. I know Meller, Waddle, and Sylvia talked about it, and, and, and didn't think it was out of the realm that somehow the Bears won four in a row, dating back to last week that they would uh, retain Fox for another year that way. They could kind of pair him with um, with Ryan Pace. Um, I've gotten uh, takes from both Waddle, Sylvie, Carm, Yerk, everybody. Uh, I was interested what your take would be on on the next head coach coming to Chicago. Are you more for a defensive minded guy, or do you think it's best to put an offensive minded uh, head coach with uh, Mitchell Trubisky? I... And one name I want to throw out there. Go ahead. Uh, in, in case Houston is crazy enough to let him go, is, uh, is Bill O'Brien uh, with the Houston Texans. If, I know he and the GM have always been at odds, and from what I'm hearing, according to some sources, is one of them is going to go. And I wanted to see what you thought about Bill O'Brien as the next Bears head coach. Well, Nick, I appreciate it. I know O'Brien is a guy that can uh, can definitely coach some offensive uh, systems. I think the, they're going to keep him because what they were doing with Deshaun Watson was pretty good until he got uh, hurt. So I wouldn't be surprised if they keep him. I'm not sure about who I want. I do want an offensive-minded guy. Uh, defensive-minded, we've seen that. I'm just really concerned about losing Vic Fangio and what's going to happen with this defense as we go forward. We'll talk more about that. We'll get back to your calls. We'll hear more from John Fox, Trubisky, and all that right here on ESPN 1000. Chicago's Game Day with Fred Hughton on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Third and ten. Four in the pattern for Stafford. Buying time, looking for somebody coming with him. Launching it deep downfield. Jump ball. Oh, man, Marvin 
Jones, how do you do? Oh, what a play. Oh, yeah, it was a pretty sad play if you're a Bears fan. Eddie Jackson, if he sees that, he'll realize you got to go up and knock the ball down. Instead, he loses the jump ball to Marvin Jones, and Jones catches it, gets the ball down to the uh, Bears. Uh, I think it was a 12-yard line, and then uh, eventually they score Stafford to uh, T.J. Jones, and um, that put Detroit up 13-0. That was on a third and 18 uh huh. Third and eighteen, and I'm you know I hear so many times Fred Hubner back with you here on ESPN one thousand three one two three three two three seven seven six. I hear so many times. Well, you know you can't blame the defense because uh, the offense is not out there long enough, and the defense is tired. This this is no 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 no. The defense's job is to go on out there and get off the field. It's to go on out there and turn the ball back over to the uh, offense. Okay, and I mentioned it earlier in the show. There were two third down penalties, one on Amukamara, one on Fuller. Both of those, the ball would have gone over to the Bears, okay? And on the the Fuller one, that led to a field goal. The Amukamara was before the long pass you just heard. So it's crazy that the Bears defense keeps getting called for these penalties. And again, Patrick Finley, top of the hour of the Sun-Times, we'll talk uh, a lot of people blame the coaching staff for the penalties. I don't know. It's hard to blame a coach for Kyle Fuller getting his hand up into the mask of a uh, wide receiver or for Prince of Mukamara holding a guy. But there's a lot more to talk about the game from yesterday. And uh, highlights courtesy NFL Network. Mike Tirico on the call along with Kurt Warner yesterday. My wife told me immediately uh, not to tweet this out yesterday. They go to, right before the game, they show um, Tariko and also Warner upstairs. And, and they do the one of the dumbest things. And they, the NFL Network does it. Uh, Fox does it. Uh, Monday Night Football, Sunday Night Football, they all do it. They have the play-by-play announcer come on and start talking. And then slowly the color commentator slides in to talk. Okay, you know what? Use two guys in the booth. Start the whole thing with both of you. It's silly to do the other thing. Somebody did it once and they think it's a good idea. It's not a good idea. It's silly. It's stupid. But yesterday, they had the ugliest ties I've ever seen in my life. They had these paisley ties, both of them. Both of them had paisley-looking ties. And I'm not a fan of ties anyway. It's football. It's sports. You know, open collar. I loved when uh, Stacey King and Neil Funk wore the open collars last week when they did a game. But... They were some of the ugliest ties I've ever seen. Now, I'm sure they were very, very expensive ugly ties, but they were ugly ties. Again, one of the silly things I complain about. That and having to sit there and listen to Rich Eisen do a halftime show. God. Anybody. They could have done. I switched over to uh, NBC Sports Chicago hoping that, um, you know, they would have done a halftime show of that game. They didn't. That was a sad thing. But one of the things that was even sadder yesterday was fourth and one for the Chicago Bears at their own 45-yard line, okay? And I'm looking at this, and I'm saying this is a perfect time. You know, you've got the running game that was able to run for 222 yards against 
this Detroit Lions defense when you played them here at Soldier Field. It's fourth and one. Your team needs a spark. You're down already. Let's do something, okay? Let's see if you can go and, you know, gamble a little bit. Go for the first down, okay? The score was 6 nothing at the time. It was early in the second quarter, uh, 12.06 to go. Okay, Trubisky had just completed a pass to uh, Benny Cunningham for 12 yards out of third and 13. Cunningham comes up a yard short. Fourth and one at the 45, and uh, John Fox decides not to go for it. I mean, again, in his field position, there was time enough left in the game. Um, you know, you're going to have to do it one or the other, depending on whether you score or not. Um, you know, we kind of add that one up on their base return. Uh, but typically, most people will kick it deep early uh, so that you have field position. You don't force them to go fourth down, and and, and they have field position. So uh, I don't regret doing that. Well, you should regret doing it, okay? It was fourth and one. Show your team you got some uh, some confidence in them. Get one yard uh, and continue a drive, okay? The drive started at the Bears 25. There was a penalty. Then they got a first down. They got another first down. and um, But then you can't you can't go forward. Uh, fourth and one at your own 45. It's the middle of the field. You got to trust your defense a little bit. Now they kicked the ball. It was, uh, Detroit's ball at the eight. And Detroit, what did Detroit do? Well, they went 92 yards and scored a touchdown. So that was disheartening if you're a Bears fan. And the other thing was disheartening was at the end of the first half, um, somehow Detroit's running the ball and they fumble. Nice play by Sam Acho, who played very well yesterday. And it's recovered by Eddie Jackson at the 27, I think it was. And uh, what happens? They throw one pass, and you go, go deep, go to the end zone. No, they threw a little four-yard swing pass. I guess Trubisky didn't want to turn the ball over. And a four-yard pass to Daniel Brown. They kick a 41-yard field goal at the end of the half. And I said, well, okay, at least they got on the board. Okay, But that's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to give Trubisky an opportunity. Give him a chance uh, to try and do something at this point. He was throwing the ball all over later in the game. You know, fourth and one, go for it. And also you have the opportunity to throw in the end zone. And Trubisky's got to learn to make a pass so it's in the end zone and it's not going to be intercepted, okay, where only his guy can catch it. Those are things he's going to have to learn over the course of time. What better time to do it than in week 15 of the season when you're four and nine, but instead, little pass, Daniel Brown, my guy, uh, and then they kicked the 41-yard field goal. Thank goodness Mike Nugent didn't miss that. Otherwise, the whole thing would have been pointless. But you got to try and go for it a little bit. And I'm, you know, I'm not saying the whole game. A lot of people are saying drop back, have them throw all the time. No, you're still trying to win. But when you're fourth and one at your own 45, you know, trust your offense a little bit. I understand field position. <laughs> Do I understand field position? And so many people talk about field position. And here's my other point. 312-332-3776. I've been saying for the last three years, it makes absolutely no sense for any football team to run the kickoff out of the end zone. Yesterday, Tariq Cohen catches the ball in the end zone, runs it out, gets to the 16-yard line, and gets tackled. The NFL is giving you a quarter of the field. They're saying, listen, if you don't run the ball out of the end zone, we're going to put you at the 25-yard line. It makes sense to take to kneel down, 
and take the ball to 25. Now, some teams are kicking the ball short. And as a result, you've got to run the ball. And when the ball is shorter, it's higher in the air, and rarely do you run it past the 25. So teams are trying to get around the rule of booting the ball deep into the end zone. Yesterday, Tariq Cohen gets the ball. What's he do? He runs. Oh, he runs all right. He runs 90 yards to the 12-yard line of Detroit. He jumps up, and what's he see? He sees a flag down. It was Houston Carson with a holding penalty. And as a result, the Bears are first and 10 at their own 10-yard line. Now, I understand it was a 90-yard return. And I understand, Tariq Cohen, you put the ball in his hands, good things can happen. But if you want good starting field position, you kneel down when you get the ball in the end zone. It doesn't make sense. Everybody's into analytics nowadays, okay? And I'm I'm an old-timer. I'm, still, I'm just coming around to them in all sports. But... This one makes sense. You catch the ball in the end zone. You take a knee. You get it at the 25. There are too many bad things that can happen running the ball out of the end zone from on a kickoff. Way more than good things that can happen. Very rarely, if ever, have the Bears and Tariq Cohen run the ball on kickoffs that he received in the end zone. Very seldom this year have they gotten past the 25-yard line. And when I say very seldom, I'm saying less than a handful of times. It's week 15 you take the ball, you kneel down, you get it to the 25, and you go from there. It just, it, it's so pointless. So yesterday, I'm getting nothing but criticism. Everyone's saying, you don't know the game. This is the dumbest thing of all. Because as soon as he got called for the hold and there was the flag down, I said, listen, if Cohen would have taken a knee, they'd get the ball to 25. Now they're at the 10 instead. Jeff Rogers, the special teams coach, has to go. Okay. Along with all the, you know, a lot of the other coaches. And I know people during the week saying, well, why do you yell? Why do you ask for someone to get, lose their job? Jeff Rogers will find another job in the NFL or in football or in college football or somewhere. Okay. But they can't, they, they cannot run the ball. And it should just be a league wide thing. I mean, if you'll watch enough games in the NFL, most teams are catching the ball in the end zone and taking a knee two yards deep, three yards deep. Boom. Take a knee, get it to 25. Why risk the injury? Why risk a penalty where you're going to start at the 6 or the 10 or the 12? They're giving you 25 yards. It just doesn't make any sense to try to run the ball out. Now, granted, once, twice during a year, you might run the ball all the way for a touchdown. Is it worth those two times to run for a touchdown as opposed to the 90% of the time you don't get to the 25 it, it makes no sense. So if you want good starting field position, always, always kneel down. Okay? That's the way to do it. It's the only way to do it, if you ask me. Not everybody asks me. Jeff Dickerson, our guy, talked about the Bears' loss after the contest from Ford Field. Whatever goodwill the Bears built up with their win over Cincinnati last Sunday, that vanished here today at Ford Field. I asked Kendall Wright, Bears wide receiver, what happened? Why couldn't they carry over that momentum from last week to today? His answer, I have no idea. And to me, that sums up this Bears performance here today. There was no rhyme or reason to almost anything they did offensively. They were very sloppy, tons of penalties. Mitchell Trubisky kind of regressed from last week, had three interceptions. The Bears have now lost at least 10 games in four straight seasons. John Fox is 13-33. and 33. 
Prince of Mukamura said in the locker room that he's not worried or focused on John Fox's future, but I think the rest of Chicago certainly is. Now, you shouldn't have to worry about John Fox's future. There isn't much one here in Chicago, at least I don't think so. And by the way, Jeff talked about how the Bears now double-digit losses for four straight years. They are 0-5 this year against the NFC North. They are 3-14 and against the NFC North under John Fox, 4-19 and in the last four years. In the NFL, you need to do one thing. You need to win your division games, and the Bears are not doing that. So there's got to be a change somewhere, okay? The one thing is they play very, very good against the AFC North. They're 3-0, and and they get to play the Cleveland Browns coming up Sunday at Soldier Field. We'll continue talking about Bears. Take your calls, 312-332-3776. Patrick Finley of the Sun-Times joins us at 10. Also at 11 o'clock, Jeremy Fowler, the ESPN NFL Nation reporter for the Steelers. is a big game this afternoon. Patriots and Steelers in Pittsburgh. It'll be a huge one. Jeff Meller's been calling it the game of the year. Jeff's listening, I hope, in his car on the way home. And we'll get back to your calls and more Bears talk. Fred Hubner with you all the way till noon on ESPN 1000. Chicago's Game Day with Fred Hubner on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Second and eight, here's Trubisky. Hansa pursuing, but he got rid of it. And the interception. What a job by Slay. Big play, Darius Slay. Both feet down. Looked like a wide receiver. Interception. And the Lions will take over. Ah, Darius Slay with not one but two interceptions yesterday off Mitchell Trubisky. Trubisky did throw for 314 yards, a touchdown, but three interceptions. Uh, one an overthrow, the one in the end zone, and another one some miscommunication with tight end Daniel Brown. And uh, the Bears lose 20-10 to in Detroit. They fall to 4-10. and and for the fourth straight season, the Bears with double-digit losses. Fred Hubner with you here on ESPN 1000. Patrick Finley of the Sun-Times will join us at 10. Also, we'll talk about the game of the year, Patriots and Steelers. Again, it's the game of the year this week. Uh, Patriots and Steelers later on this afternoon. We'll talk with Jeremy Fowler around 11 o'clock. You just heard the Darius Slate interception, one of two. And after the contest, he joined Heather Cox from... Uh, the NFL Network on the field talked about Mitchell Trubisky. Darius Slay, with your sixth and seventh interception of the season, you now lead the league. Now, you were facing a rookie quarterback for the second time this season. What did you see against Trubisky? Uh, that um, he stared down a lot of things. Um, so uh, you know, trust I, I, uh, my whole game plan was trust my first instinct and go because he's looking at it, and um, that's what I did. I just uh, trust my instincts and just went. Uh, Darius Slay with a couple of interceptions again. One was an overthrow, so. Uh, I don't know about your instincts there. If the ball was thrown right on, you wouldn't have caught it. The other one was miscommunication. So I'm not quite sure exactly what Darius Lay's talking about. And Mitch Trubisky wasn't sure either because he was asked after the game if he's staring down receivers. I don't think I was. I was more more looking guys off or, or trying to see what they were doing. I mean, they, they play coverage with their eyes on me the whole time, so it probably looks like I'm staring at them, but I'm just trying to move guys and, and find my receivers open. So Now, I've mentioned numerous times when I'm doing any Bears show that I try to watch when the game is over. I try to flip on over to NBC Sports Chicago. My guy Lawrence Holmes doing the show along with Jim Miller and Alex Brown and Lance Briggs, okay? And... They don't pull punches, okay? Alex Brown's not happy. Alex Brown was very upset yesterday because they didn't run the ball after running for 222 yards against the Lions here at Soldier Field. And they, after 
they found out that Darius Slay said that he was staring down some things, not Slay, but Trubisky, they asked uh, Jim Miller, who played quarterback, they asked Lance Briggs and Alex Brown if they could see that or if they saw that. They watched the game. They watched the game closely, and he's, they all said, no, it didn't appear that he was. It appeared he was going through his progressions. And again, Darius Slay throwing that out there, and the two interceptions he had, one was an overthrow and the other one was uh, miscommunication. So it's not like he made a jump and cut in front of a receiver to intercept the ball. So Darius Slay is a heck of a you know, defensive back, okay? I'm just saying that uh, I think he put something out there that was wrong. And, uh, you know, something out there that, that it could hurt the confidence or the reputation of a Mitchell Trubisky. And I can't, I think Trubisky right now can't wait till the next time he goes up against Darius Slay and the Detroit Lions. He did throw for 314 yards. He was 31 for 46, Trubisky was. And, um, but, uh, he threw a couple of interceptions. Now, there was one in the back of the end zone, and, uh, that wasn't a Darius Lee interception, but he talked about that. I just lost him in my vision, and I thought I had a head trail in the back of the end zone. So I kind of just, uh, forced one there. Um, good, good coverage and call by them. And, uh, I, I just got to throw the ball away so we can get a field goal and, and not force it. Yeah, that would have been nice. Uh, the Bears had some opportunities, and, you know, to be honest with you, the Bears did what they always should do, in my opinion. And, um, you know, you, you, Bears win the coin toss. They elect to defer. They had an opportunity. They did score three points at the end of the second quarter. So at that point, they're going into the third quarter and they're trailing 13 to three. And it's like, okay, perfect. Get an opportunity and, uh, see what you can do. So what happens? Um, you have Howard up the middle for two yards. So it's second and eight, and Trubisky, uh, deep pass intended for Kendall Wright, and uh, there's Slay, and uh, yeah, that's that's not good. So it didn't work again, and I'm not quite sure why, but the Bears try to do this because you can double up, and they had the opportunity to, quote, double up. You don't get a chance to do this, get back-to-back possessions. They had a chance with the field goal at the end of the first half and uh, then getting the ball in the second half. And Trubisky throws the interception, one of two for Darius Slay. So that was not good yesterday. You were watching the game yesterday, and you hear a lot of things from the quarterbacks when they're calling out audibles. I mean, the most famous is Peyton Manning with the, uh, you know, the Omaha, Omaha. And uh, yesterday you heard Matthew Stafford call out... Uh, Something else. Kyle Fuller, the other corner, has not seen that much action, but Amukamara has seen plenty in this first half. Dead Kardashian to the <laughs> audible tree this week. <laughs> first down run, theoretic flag down. Highlights courtesy of NFL Network. So, yeah, you can use pretty much anything. I know uh, earlier in the week, I can't remember which team it was, but they used the dilly dilly. And uh, so you got uh, anything that's out there uh, can be used during the call of some of the audibles that are made out there by NFL teams. 312-332-3776, that's hey, the Fred, number. Yeah. I think the Kardashian, I figured it out. Okay. That was the drama call. The drama call? Or like blitz. <laughs> like drama, drama, drama. Here comes the blitz. Okay. Yeah, I think that that's kind of the thing for Kardashian. Well. I was trying to figure it out. Like, what what could that be? I got to tell you, um, my wife does watch the Kardashians. So there's times where I'll sit and, and watch and listen. And, uh, 
Yeah, it's interesting that show keeps going. It just shows you Ryan Seacrest is a producer of that. Ryan Seacrest makes more money um, doing, I don't know, so many things. And he's like the uh, the toast of uh, Los Angeles. Uh, I'm looking here on Twitter. You can always tweet me at Fred underscore Hubner. Uh, Kenny says that uh, I'm on the radio crying about taking a knee on kickoffs. Tariq Cohen, the Bears' most explosive player, get a dog if you're scared. Kenny, you compl- you're completely wrong. For for taking a chance so that you might have a nice return two or three times a year as opposed to getting awful field position the other 85% of the time, taking a knee is the ro- the proper call in the end zone. Take a knee, get the ball to 25. Kenny, good luck in, in, in your head coaching future. I hope things work out well for you. 312-332-3776, but top of the hour, we're going to talk with Patrick Finley. Patrick Finley with the Sun-Times. He was there in Detroit, probably happy to be out of Detroit. Don't forget, we've got a couple of games today, not just one. Not the, just the game of the year, but we also have the Jets and the Saints coming up right when we're out of here at 12 noon. That'll be followed by the Patriots and the Steelers. We'll talk more about that game with Jeremy Fowler, the ESPN NFL Nation reporter for Pittsburgh. He'll join us around 11 o'clock. We heard from Darius, we heard from Darius Slay saying that Trubisky was staring down a lot of things. We'll talk more about Trubisky, the penalties. Tariq Cohen. We'll talk more about Kendall Wright, the Bears receivers. All that and much, much more coming up here on ESPN 1000. Chicago's Game Day with Fred Eubner on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back in. Hour two here till 12 noon. Then we got a NFL doubleheader. Jets and Saints followed by the game of the year, at least the game of the year this week. It's the Patriots and the Steelers, two teams atop their division. The Steelers win, and uh, they're looking to lock up home field advantage throughout the postseason. Hey, the Steelers, one of the they've only got two losses. One of those to your own Chicago Bears. Talking Bears here on ESPN 1000, and we have the chance now to uh, talk to Patrick Finley of the Chicago Sun Times. Patrick, how is Detroit? Oh, it was lovely as usual. It was cold. There was snow on the ground, and it was a bad, bad football game. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was very bad. I, I don't quite understand. I was. Try, I'm trying to figure this out. There's only one team in the National Football League that has rushed for more than 220 yards more than once, and the Bears have done mm-hmm. it four times this year, including mm-hmm. against the Lions at Soldier Field. Yesterday, they run the ball 15 times. Is there any way to explain that? Well, how about this? The Lions have given up 100 rushing yards in six straight games. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you thought that uh, if you could have bet on anything yesterday, it would have been that Jordan Howard uh, got a good amount of touches and the Bears did some damage with it. Uh, that didn't happen. Some of it, you know, is the you know same old song and dance. You know, they're chasing points from, you know, kind of the middle of the uh, second quarter on. Uh, there's some of it there. Uh, the other part of it, and this is uh, not a good reflection on the team's play calling or really on their play, is that, you know, with the Bears, you kind of know by midway through the first quarter if they're going to be able to run the football. You know, we talked about Jordan Howard wearing guys down, and that's true. But when it's been bad, it's been bad, for, you know, right out of the chute. And it certainly was uh, yesterday. Jordan Howard catching the ball, believe it or not, 
uh, was actually a more effective ploy than handing him the football. How amazing was that? Two weeks in a row, if I'm not mistaken, the very first offensive play was a pass to Jordan Howard. Now, he dropped it in Cincinnati, <laughs> but caught it yesterday. And that and that just blew my mind because it doesn't make any sense to, you know, you open with, I think it was a, uh, I think it was an empty backfield on the first offensive play. Mm-hmm. And I was well, like, I believe, what are you doing? I believe that, I believe that that was the first uh, catch Jordan Howard's had all season that wasn't either a screen or a check down uh, on a deeper pass. Uh, and that should tell you something. You know, he's one of the Bears' most dynamic players. Uh, you know, catching does not appear to be his strong suit. But finding a way to get him the ball that's not a predictable run, I think, is a worthy idea. Uh, the problem is he didn't get the ball nearly enough yesterday in the conventional sense either. Patrick, one of the things I'm, I'm trying to, I don't know, uh, fight with myself is I'm trying to figure out exactly what the Bears have been trying to do and what the fans have wanted the Bears to do because you hear so many people say, well, run the football where you should have run more, and I'm one of them. You should have run more. You should have done this and gone out and you had a chance to win the game. But then I hear other people say, well, we want to see Trubisky just drop back and throw the ball. He threw the ball 46 times yesterday. So I'm not exactly sure how what people want out of this team. Do they want him to win like they did last week against Cincinnati? Uh, I guess that was the perfect win because Trubisky had a pretty good game, a really good game. Or do they want him to run the ball and, you know, not have Trubisky pass the ball but still get victories? I think they want to not be bored. And I mean, that's the best. I, I, seriously, that's the, the best I can make of it. You know, on a, on a big picture sense, all that really matters right now is how Trubisky looks and, you know, whether the Bears can keep some of their young guys like Howard and Cohen uh, going. You know, they don't have a wide receiver to speak of. Uh, they don't really have a tight end to speak of with the Shaheen out yesterday. So really, if you're trying to, you know, kind of pin your hopes to something that you're watching on TV on a Saturday night, right. it's Trubisky or not? It's Trubisky or nothing. I, I, you know, I think they have an excitement level problem, uh, you know, uh, on top of their losing problem. Uh, you know, I, I would argue to you that Trubisky throwing more in a game doesn't necessarily mean that he'll develop faster. It doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, he'll learn more because he's got more dropbacks. I mean, things like his footwork, things like his timing, things like his ability to read a defense is something you work on in practice, not when uh, the game is going on and when it counts. Okay, I, uh, Patrick Finley of the Sun-Times joining us, and, and you and I, we talk quite a bit here, and I've I've sat and talked with you a couple times with Cap on his TV show on Sports Talk Live. <laughs> I just, I, there's a, a, something that we, we got to figure out, because I'm on an island by myself, I guess. Yesterday, mm-hmm. there was a, uh, a couple of penalties on third down. There was Kyle Fuller getting his hand into the face mask of a receiver, where it would have been the Bears' ball on a punt. There is uh, Prince mm-hmm. Mukamara on, with a hold on a third and eight, yep. which the ball would have been punted and maybe we wouldn't have seen the third and 18 where Eddie Jackson doesn't go up and knock the ball down. But in your column today, you know, they had 13 penalties, 97 yards. You have one line. That's the coach's fault. And I'm trying to figure out exactly how we can blame any coach for Fuller getting his hand into the face mask, Prince of Mukamara holding, Houston Carson holding, 
um, Grisou holding. I mean, it goes on forever uh, yesterday, you know, and also the Trubisky um, delay of games. There's a big, big clock in both end zones where the quarterback <laughs> should be able to see that time is running down. I just don't understand because you're not the only one. I'm not calling just you out, but it's in your column today, and I figured what the heck. Uh, if, but, if, if, let's put it this way. If they can't be well-prepared coming off uh, their – biggest win uh, statistically in five seasons uh-huh. um you know if they put themselves in a position you know these holding penalties um are because the o-line or whoever's doing the holding on that particular play has put themselves in a bad position and needs to hold they feel um that is a being ready thing that's a preparedness thing that's a focus thing and yes it all comes down to the players doing their job or doing or not doing their job but, you know, there are grown men there that get paid a lot of money to ensure that they are ready to do their job. And that did not happen. You know, you can blame, you know, maybe it was short rest. You know, you can blame the fast track. You know, that's a right. whole different situation than play, playing outside in Cincinnati. Uh, you know, you can come up with all of that. But the Bears looked, you know, ill-prepared and ill-disciplined. And if that's not something you can pin on a coaching staff, you know, I don't know what they're, what is really. See, the one thing that I thought that we've been able to see, and I mean, I think we saw it last week with Cincinnati in the second half, they gave up. They stopped playing. Yep. And, and I don't know yep. that we've seen the, this Bears team do that this year. Have you? No, I, I, no, I, I don't think you've seen uh, quit in them uh, the way you saw the Bengals. And by the way, that was one of my main takeaways from yesterday is, is good lord how bad are the Bengals? yeah i know <laughs> after watching the after, after watching the bears uh you know get it handed to them more or less, right. you know 20 to 3 if you don't want to count that touchdown at the, you know the garbage time touchdown there at the end um yeah i you know, no, the bears keep trying uh you know that's to their credit uh you know there are a lot of guys you know i mentioned pernell mcphee in the paper today you know a lot of veterans uh, when they hurt their shoulder two weeks ago in a season like this, would have just shut it down. Pernell McSee wanted to come back and play. Uh, he got hurt again, but, you know, I admire the, uh, uh, the intent behind that because, you know, it, you know, it says something about him as a player and it says something about, uh, the locker room that they have there. You know, the thing, maybe the best thing I can say about John Fox in his three year tenure here is he showed up to a circus. You know, if you'll remember yeah. Brandon Marshall was being Brandon Marshall, Mar- Marty Bennett was being Marty Bennett. There's a lot of really bad stuff going on in that locker room, including a splintering uh, of the defense and the offense that took place because Lovey Smith was fired. I mean, I mean, all the grudge is there. And he has run a very professional locker room. Uh, the Bears don't seem to have a whole lot of jerks uh, on their team in terms of are they good teammates or the bad teammates. Right. Um, give Fox that. That's good. They seem to be pulling for each other. Uh, that is not enough. And, and I think – you know, anybody who hoped that maybe the Bears would go on a little run to end the season and make everybody feel all warm and fuzzy, uh, you know, that was over by halftime. Another minute or two with Patrick Finley from the Sun-Times. Nice enough to join us after the Bears' 20-10 to loss yesterday. Darius Lake comes out yesterday after the game on NFL Network and says that Trubisky stared down a lot of things. I don't know. It's The one thing I don't think that he's been accused of this year is staring down receivers. And the two interceptions, if I'm not mistaken, were both overthrows. One was an overthrow and yeah. one was miscommunication. So is Darius Lake just talking out of his, and I can't say it, but uh, and making things up, or do you think think that he was actually staring things down i don't know that he's making it up i know that cornerbacks uh, tend to have uh, an unreal confidence in themselves <laughs> yeah and uh and i'm sure i mean when you're getting ready for a rookie quarterback you know i'm sure you uh you know spend the week having your coaches tell you all the things he does wrong and how you're going to take advantage of it but yeah make no mistake you know the the first interception when he was rolling left 
he just threw it high and wide. Right. And, you know, we, we had noticed early in the game that he seemed to be leaving throws high, uh, even on completions. Um, and, and then it got the best of him. You know, I think he did settle down. Give Mitch a little bit of credit for making an adjustment in the middle of the game and kind of honing his accuracy a little bit there. But, yeah, I, I wouldn't put too much stock into something Darius Slay said on national TV uh, while celebrating a win. I, I think that that's probably uh, belittling Mitch a little a little more than he deserves. Yeah, and I thought what you just said about him uh, throwing high, I, I kind of thought that throughout the year, him throwing high was a result of the Bears – uh, trying to let and drill into his head, don't turn the ball over. Uh, and a lot right. of times is where if I can't get it right to the guy, you know, it's one of those, if either he catches it or no one does. And I thought Mitch has missed a lot of guys high because of that. Well, I mean, you know, we asked Kendall Wright, uh, you know, yesterday about it, you know, was it a bad throw? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's going on? And, and Kendall essentially said, I'm not going to sit here and badmouth my rookie quarterback. So if you want to say that it's because of my route, just say that. That's fine. Uh, so, you know, the Bears, <laughs> the Bears are going out of their way to at least not publicly uh, call out Mitch, even if he uh, is having some accuracy issues. And, you know, what? I mean, that's what would concern me kind of on a big picture. I think Mitch has handled most of this very well in terms of the attention, in terms of the responsibility. But this is a guy that the Bears said was super accurate when they drafted him. That's why they traded up to get him, in part, because they loved his accuracy on the run. And I don't think he has shown uh, to be a super accurate quarterback, at least through his first 12 games. Okay, and one other thing as we let you go. Um, the, well, one other thing which leads to two, and that is the two so, decisions John Fox made. The not going forward on fourth and one from their own 45 when they're already down and then uh, the I don't know what kind of kick it was. They call I guess a pooch, a pooch kick, and he's saying, "Well, field position." We, you know, neither of those things made any sense from anybody that's watched football for a long time. Wouldn't you want to give your your offense a little bit of confidence on fourth and one at the forty five? Maybe, but that's well within his personality. You know, right. if you want to criticize his personality, go for it. <laughs> I wasn't surprised uh, that he decided to punt in that situation. Uh, obviously, the football gods punished him for it. There was the jump ball, right. uh, you know, in, in the touchdown that came of it. As far as the onside kick, I mean, <laughs> by that point, the hay was in the barn. You know, I, yeah. you know, I have no clue why they would decide to play field position with two and a half minutes and play down by ten. They needed about four miracles in a row to happen there. Um, yeah, I mean, going forward on fourth and one is not who John Fox is. Uh, you know, the people who are outraged by it, I think. Um, I, I understand, but it's certainly not outside of uh, everything he's shown the Bears for three years. That is part of the problem, yeah. I, I think. But I, you know, I think I mean, so he's too. A third, he's, a, he's a you know he's a hail mary on a third and eighteen away from getting the football back there. Um, I, I don't think that that's. Uh, I, I don't think that it's the game. Let's put it this way. The game didn't come down to a fourth and one. Uh, the Bears got uh, thumped pretty good across the board. Yeah, as it turned out, they did. Their defense actually stepped up and and played played not not awful yesterday. I, and with all the injuries they've had, I think they've been working very very hard. Now, now my last thing is, I let you go. We talked to JD yesterday, and I was trying to find out if you think that the Bears will wait till January second so people can enjoy their New Year's Day, or do you think they'll make announcements on uh, the day after that final game of the season and ever all you guys are going to have to be there. New Year's Day, no matter what. <laughs> and let's put it this way: I don't think the Bears are going to make any decisions uh, with the well-being of a sports writer <laughs> in mind. Uh, I would assume that they'd want to get a jump start. Uh, you know, shoot up to a third of the league, maybe looking for a coach. Right. Uh, you know, you know that first twenty-four hours is important. Uh, I think you know if we don't hear something late on New Year's Eve, I think uh, there will certainly be something 
uh, on New Year's Day. And, and I think that whatever tiny smidgen of doubt that that would happen uh, vanished yesterday when the Bears lost the way they did. Patrick, really appreciate you jumping on after a uh, Saturday game. So, you don't the rest of your days off, you can actually do stuff with the family? Uh, yeah, yeah I, I have to write two stories. But uh, <laughs> besides that, yes, do stuff with the family. My uh, wife is threatening to take me ice skating, and that is... Not something I want to do, even if the toddler does. I'm just going to uh, so, say, uh, be careful and don't break anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't <laughs> break anything. You know, we're to, you know, as John Fox says, availability is the best ability. I, I got to be available for the for the next two weeks. You're right about that, Patrick. Appreciate it as always. Thanks a lot. Hey, anytime. Patrick Finley from the Sun-Times, and uh, make sure you check him out, and Mark Potash and Adam Johns. They do a great, great job, and uh, the Sun-Times does a great job each and every Bears game, Bears Extra, uh, the wraparound section of the paper, and uh, some some really good stuff there. And I understand when people talk about, you know, uh, having coaches having te- guys ready. Coaches having guys ready to perform, and because of that, if you're ready, you're not going to hold, and you're not going to do this. I just, I, I, it all comes out. It's gonna, just going to be a problem, I guess. I'm always going to have that. I think coaches go out there and they they drill everything into the players, and the players should all be ready before they walk out there. And I know that when you do hold, sometimes it's just a lack of effort on your part. It's a lack of being ready in your own self. There's a, there's 11 guys on a football field. When one guy gets a holding penalty, um, that one guy let down the other 10. And uh, yesterday, it, was, it just happened far, far too often. And when, the most embarrassing thing, I mean, one of the more embarrassing things was just three straight penalties when Grassou was in. He, get that, he gets a holding penalty. You get another holding penalty, and then you get the delay of game penalty from your own one yard line. The only good thing was you're already on your own one. They're gonna you're going back to the half yard line. And what does Mitch Trubisky do? He throws a 22 yard pass for a first down at from there from the end zone. So he does have it, and I do think that Mitchell Trubisky is going to be okay. Uh, okay is not as good as tremendous. Okay is not as good as. Um, you know, a Pro Bowl quarterback. We don't know about that. The questions will all come up when the season comes to an end, exactly what's going to happen at the quarterback position. Will they go after another one? What exactly are they going to do? 312-332-3776. Again, one of the questions, did you want the Bears to win or do you want them to develop Trubisky? And uh, have you started to doubt what he can do for you? 312-332-3776. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Have you started to doubt that he's the guy? Did you have confidence in it? Have you lost confidence? One of the things I I think is there's a reason why the Bears didn't want Trubisky playing this year, and I think I mentioned it earlier, is that he played 13 games in college. That's why they went out and got Mike Lennon. That's why they told everybody that Trubisky was not going to be playing. They weren't going to go to Mitchell Trubisky because they knew how much he had to learn. And I think we're starting to see that. We're starting to see exactly how much it is that this kid needs to learn. Uh, the game yesterday, just so disappointing for many reasons. And that is that Detroit allowed 400 yards to Tampa Bay in week 14. That's right. 400 yards. Now they took the ball away a couple times and got a win over the Buccaneers, but their defense allowed 400 yards yesterday. Well, you think about it. Trubisky at the end of the game had 314. Yards passing and the Bears rushed the ball for only four forty-three yards. So that's what three sixty, um, and the Bears lose 
and only get the one touchdown of that little swing pass to Cunningham. Did anybody else notice that after Cunningham scored, there were a couple of guys, I think it was Grisou and a couple other people, who were going over towards uh, Cunningham to celebrate with him, and Cunningham just like ran, dropped the ball and ran back to the to the sideline. He didn't like high five anybody. He didn't jump. He didn't celebrate. He didn't do the rock catch dance. And I know that everybody that's listened to me, I'm the old curmudgeon. I'm the old man. I'm the get off your lawn guy. I don't have a problem with a lot of the celebrations. I had a problem a couple of weeks ago when Philadelphia celebrated on a interception in the middle of the field, which turned out to not be an interception. That's that bothered me a little bit when the entire sideline had a little uh, choreographed thing already. Um, but when a team scores and uh, the Rockets dance yesterday um, for the Detroit Lions, no problem with that. I thought it was pretty cool, uh, and that that's rare for me. <laughs> Usually, I'm the, I'm the old guy that doesn't like those things. I mentioned the other day, I I love watching not only Antonio Brown catch the ball because he's the best wide receiver in the National Football League, but I love his antics afterwards. I have no problem with that. I had no problem with the pirouette that Golden Tate did yesterday. Now, I would have been happier if the defender knocked the ball down and he didn't catch the pass. That would have been much, much better. But it didn't. It wasn't the case. 312-332-3776. Bottom of the hour, we're going to switch gears a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit of baseball before we get to previewing that Patriots-Steelers game. Bottom of the hour, we're going to talk about something Jesse Rogers had in an article yesterday. And um, with the possibility all week long... The talk has been about Manny Machado. And all week long, the talk has been about maybe Manny Machado coming to the White Sox. And the Sox then trying to sign him to a long-term deal when the year's over so he stays here and helps the rebuild. And there were reports uh, that the White Sox had the best offer out there for uh, Manny Machado. Yesterday, our own Jesse Rogers put something out there saying... His article on ESPNChicago.com, Why the Cubs Should Make Addison Russell for Manny Machado Blockbuster Trade. He says if the White Sox are willing to trade for Baltimore star Manny Machado and then take the next few months to try and persuade him to sign an extension, why can't their crosstown rivals do the same thing? As anyone in baseball knows, the Cubs have a lot to offer a free agent to be like Machado, beginning with playing in front of sellout crowds at historic and now renovated Wrigley Field. And then there's the idea of winning. So the way that he, that Jesse says how to get Machado, Machado's expressed the desire to play shortstop. So the Cubs should offer Addison Russell as a centerpiece of the deal. Four years of Russell in exchange for one year of Machado might not sound like a great deal for Chicago, but in a year when the Cubs have question marks on the mound, they could perhaps bash their way to a title. Russell plus a minor league arm or two should get a deal done. For the All-Star. So, Cub fans, your thoughts. I know on a football Sunday morning, the Bears played yesterday, I wanted to get your opinion on some baseball talk. Cubs fans, would you be up for moving Addison Russell and a minor league arm, whoever it may be, for Manny Machado for one season? Now, you may have the money to go after him the year afterwards, but you may have that money already earmarked for a Bryce Harper. But would you be willing to move Addison Russell for one year of Manny Machado? And you think that's a deal that the Baltimore Orioles would take? 312-332-3776. Jesse brings up some good points. Um, and I think 
that with your pitching struggles, and who knows what Tyler Chatwood's going to do to go along with Lester and Hendricks uh, and everything you have in Quintana, who knows who your fifth starter is going to be. But bashing a uh, your way to a championship, not a bad way to go, especially nowadays. So your thoughts on the Cubs possibly going after Manny Machado, would that be a good move for the Northsiders? I think, I think it would. I think it would make sense. Now, for the White Sox, I didn't think it made sense. As a Sox fan, I said, listen, unless you can guarantee that he is going to sign a long-term deal with the Southsiders, you don't give up any of your skilled, talented youngsters that you're developing. But in the Cubs' case, they don't really have a lot of young, talented youngsters in the minor leagues that they haven't traded away already. Gliber Torres got traded away. Eloy Jimenez got moved in the Quintana trade. So bringing over a Manny Machado in exchange for Addison Russell for next season, and next season only, not a bad deal for the Northsiders. There was an article in the, top, in the Sun-Times today. Let me read the back page of the Sun-Times. I'm not trying to get Cub fans upset. But it said, if the Cubs can't rekindle their magic of 2016, they risk becoming the 1985 Bears. 312-332-3776. Your thoughts on the Cubs going on out and getting a Manny Machado for one year in exchange for Addison Russell? You think it's a good move? And do you think that if the Cubs don't win, they have the possibility of maybe uh, becoming the 1985 Chicago Bears. Let's go run quickly to Al in Tinley Park. Al, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up? Hey, good morning. Hey, Al. I think you do Russell for Machado in a heartbeat. There, there's so much upside, even though it's for one year. You know, Russell's got a little bit of an injury history, and I just don't... Oh, he got he got knocked off. Al, I will continue talking about it, but I kind of agree with you. I think it's a perfect move. It'd be great for the Northsiders um, playing in front of full houses for the year. Joining, uh, you know, how about an infield of Bryant, Machado, Baez, and Rizzo? Not too bad. Taking your calls at three one two three three two three seven seven six. Don't forget, we got some football talk with Jeremy Fowler, VSPN NFL Nation, joining us at eleven to preview the Patriots and the Steelers. Fred Hubner with you till noon on ESPN one thousand. This is Chicago's game day. Deep to left field, and it is there and gone. Deep left center. Game over. Cubs win. Cubs win. Chicago's game day. He's at the wall. He leaps. He caught it. He caught it. Alvarez. It's a triple play for the Sox. Bases loaded. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Ah, we're working some baseball into a football Sunday here on ESPN 1000. Fred Hubner with you, Sean Davis at the controls, as we are talking about Manny Machado. Jesse Rogers doing a nice piece about uh, why wouldn't the Cubs be interested in Manny Machado. Manny Machado coming to the north side and uh, send Addison Russell and maybe a uh, young arm to the Baltimore Orioles for the one year. You wouldn't need him to sign for a second year. You could if you wanted to go after him and see if you got enough money to bring him in along with a Bryce Harper. 
but it seems like everyone, the Yankees, the Dodgers now freeing out money to go after some people in free agency. I don't know that you'd be able to get both. If you can get one and keep one and maybe have a Manny Machado here and seeing what it's like to play at Wrigley Field would be the uh, good thing. If you want to uh, vote, we have a poll. Is a trade for Manny Machado a good idea for the Cubs? 312-332-3776. Or you can go to at ESPN 1000. Vote yes or no if you think it's a, a good idea and a good thing. And it just seems to me to make sense. Uh, Addison Russell in the first caller before we got cut off, I brought up some interesting points. Uh, Russell is a very, very good defensive shortstop. Okay, let's start with that. He's a pretty darn good hitter. Last year didn't show it. Uh, I picked him two years ago. I said he'd be a 30 home run hitter. I think he hit 21 um, and actually struggled in the last month of the season off uh, power-wise. But bringing over a guy like Manny Machado, Bryant, Machado, uh, Baez, and Rizzo wouldn't be a bad uh, infield. Okay, it's been not bad now with Russell there, but having Machado there would be even that much better. 312-332-3776. Let's go on out to the road tonight, 57. And Kyle, you're on ESPN 1000. Hey, Kyle. Hey there. What's going on? Uh, well, uh, I was calling to say that uh, I don't normally disagree with Jesse Rogers, but I'm going to disagree with this uh, particular piece for these particular reasons. Uh, I'm not going to say that if we... Machado, I'd be super upset about it, but since the mentality is that the Cubs want to win World Series, the formula to getting a World Series is not power bashing your way there. And I think history kind of tells you that. I mean, think about it. Two years ago, the Blue Jays had the lineup of Encarnacion, Batista, Tulowitzki, Martin, pretty solid lineup, didn't get them to the World Series. You know, last year the Astros had a pretty decent lineup, but think about it. Justin Verlander was the MVP. The Dodgers make the World Series because they're both in and their starting pitching gets them five innings, and then the bullpen shuts them down. I don't think power bashing your way to the World Series happens anymore. It's it's the pitching, and I don't know what the market for 2018 in terms of starting pitching is, like if we can even get another pitcher with trying to make a run at Harper, but I think giving up four years of this infield is just too much of a risk, and it would be an absolute mistake. Don't you think the Astros pretty much powered their way with uh, you know Altuve and Correa and, and, and all the the power hitters they had? But think about it, though. Things changed when they brought Verlander over. Like They were in a lull for a while. They were losing games, and then once they brought Verlander over, it jump-started everything. Their lineup was absolutely fantastic. And then the Cubs lineup was absolutely fantastic a year ago, but it all goes back to, I think, the pitching shutting it down. And I think making an investment for pitching is more worth than putting a risk on someone who might come over to the Central and hit 30 home runs. I don't know. I bet he could, but I like having longevity and sustained success than making a risk at a guy who'd only maybe be here for a year. Yeah, but if that year turned into another World Series, that wouldn't be a bad thing, would it? Uh, that's a big question mark, though. So, I mean, well, we there's can't question prove marks. That. Yeah, there's question marks everywhere. I mean, I know they need another starting pitcher, and they're probably gonna, you know, they're probably gonna make my, either Montgomery their fifth starter or going out and get somebody else before the season starts. But bringing over a guy like Machado, I mean, just think, you think of all the the, the slumps that Russell had, and and not and not that Machado can't be in a slump. He's he slumped a little bit last year too at times. But uh, have, I think I'd rather have Harper. I'd rather have I'd rather have Harper. I'd rather you know I'd rather have Russell this year. Have us go at another run at making a World Series. I still think this team can make a run at a World Series with what they have. I believe that. 
And I would rather save our money and make a run at Harper, who I think is, is a legitimate contender to come to the Cubs. Yeah, yeah, I don't think there's much doubt of that, Kyle. We appreciate the call. I definitely think that uh, the Cubs are going to go after Harper. That's one of the reasons maybe they're not spending a lot of money now. But uh, if you can if you can go on out and get Manny Machado for the one year, I just think it it, it makes sense. Every year you want to go for it. In baseball, every, you know, a, either you're rebuilding or you're not. And I understand that the Cubs, they had, you know, their whole thing with Theo and Jed was sustained success. Okay. Three years in a row, uh, winning the NL, you know, getting to the NLCS. That's pretty darn good. Uh, but, and I'm not saying that bringing Machado over here instead of Russell or for in exchange for Russell would guarantee they'd get to another National League Championship Series. But it wouldn't be a bad way to go, would it? Uh, having Manny Machado. Uh, I, I just think that I understand the four years of Russell. And I, every, you know, everybody does. But you never know what's going to happen. I know you build a team and you build a team for the long run. But if you can get Machado and not guarantee yourself a World Series, but at least give yourself a better chance of getting there, it's better than having Addison Russell there. Now, you've got to go back and forth, too. Um, Machado is a guy that's played third base. He would like to play shortstop, which is his natural position. He's a gold-glove third baseman, tremendous third baseman. Now, you've got Chris Bryant there, who's not a gold-glove third baseman, Okay. Uh, but Machado moving him over to short, you do have some question marks. Whoever's going to bring him in, they'll have some question marks about how he's going to be able to perform after being at third base for a few years. But he's only 25. He's going to be, I, I think he's going to be 26 in the middle of the season. So, you know, it's not like you're getting rid of a young guy for an old guy. Granted, it might just be for the one year, but after that, um, you know, you're still going to have the money. You're going to have money to go after Bryce Harper. Listen, the Cubs, money's not a problem for the Northsiders, okay? Money's going to be fine. Uh, Jesse Rogers' article, uh, ESPNChicago.com, he talks about um, if Machado left in 2018. He says, listen, if Machado signs a long-term deal with the Cubs, this would unquestionably be a brilliant trade. But even if he hits free agency, it doesn't destroy them. They could take the money as well as the money they save on Russell, who would be entering his second arbitration year and hit the free agent market. The key in this scenario is Javi Baez. If Machado leaves, Baez slides to short. Ian Happ and Ben Zobrist in his final year with the Cubs can take over second base duties. Yeah, the Cubs would take a hit on defense. But remember, they can strengthen another area of the team in a much larger way through free agency next offseason. That would be Bryce Harper or a number one or number two starter. Russell on the same contract timeline as Bryant. So if the worst case scenario is earning flexibility because Machado went elsewhere and Russell was traded, it's not so bad. And don't forget that one year of Machado if the Cubs win the World Series again, with him as a fixture at short, there's nothing that comes after. Uh, nothing that comes after really matters. The deal will have paid off. With St. Louis gaining ground this winter, Milwaukee lying in the weeds, Cubs can make a bold move and create a dynamic middle of the order. If even for one season, it's worth the risk. That was Jesse's column. You can read the whole thing at ESPNChicago.com. Like to get your thoughts at 312-332-3776. Some other baseball news, and we'll get back to football top of the hour as the Steelers taking on 
the Patriots coming up. We've got the game for you later on today around 325. And it's a game where the Steelers are looking to get home field advantage throughout the postseason in the AFC playoffs. They are a game better than the Patriots right now. Steelers have lost two games, one of them to the Chicago Bears. I know. It's, uh, it's pretty amazing that the Bears knocked off Pittsburgh. It's amazing the Bears wins this year have come over, you know, Cincinnati, but that's not surprising. But they've, the other ones are Baltimore, Carolina, and Pittsburgh. I know the Mike Tirico and, um, Kurt Warner brought that up yesterday. The Bears are a team that, that I know it sounds stupid to say, but maybe they're not that far away. Okay, if they get an offense, get a couple of receivers. Um, teams have gone from last to first in divisions. But the problem with the Bears, and I think I ran that down for you earlier, uh, is they are 0-5 against the NFC North, 3-14 and against the North in uh, the John Fox era. So we'll get back to some football in the 11 o'clock hour. We'll stick with baseball. There's some other stuff going on with Scott Boris. We'll talk about that. And there's another possibility there are reports out there that um, the Cubs are showing interest in one of the high-paid expensive free agent pitchers and it's not Jake Arrieta so we'll talk about that we come back 312-332-3776 who knows what the North Siders are going to do they've been and not quiet necessarily, signing four pitchers, um, four pitchers, making a trade, uh, bringing over uh, Tyler Chatwood, uh, bringing over Brandon Morrow, also Seashack uh, the other day, and um, they also bring over Drew Smiley, who's not going to be ready for till maybe late in the season. But uh, this next pitcher, we'll talk about that when we come back, 312-332-3776. Your thoughts on Machado coming to the north side, not the south side, which has been all the talk the last week or so. 312-332-3776. We'll get to that, more football. Bears fans, don't go anywhere. About 1130, we'll get back to some of your Bears conversation right here on ESPN 1000. Chicago's Game Day with Fred Eubner on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back in. We'll get back to some football talk. Top of the hour is we'll take a deeper look at the Patriots and the Steelers. We've got that game for you here later on this afternoon. We also have the Jets and the Saints at 12 o'clock for you right here on ESPN 1000. Talking some baseball right now, and it all stemmed from Jesse Rogers' article at ESPNChicago.com. Why the Cubs should make Addison Russell for Manny Machado blockbuster trade. Your thoughts, 312-332-3776. Before we went to break, and we'll get to the calls in just a second. Before we went to break, I mentioned that the Cubs reportedly interested in a free agent pitcher. Reports say they're showing interest in Hugh Darvish, who recently pitched in the NLCS Against um, or for the Dodgers, Darvish joined the Dodgers middle of last season, spending five and a half years with the Rangers. He pitched in game three of the NLCS against the Cubs, holding the uh, cold lineup at the point to just one run on six and a third. He pitched twice in the uh, World Series, did not pitch very well, lost both games, um, failing to get out of the second inning both times. So uh, that's not good. Uh, but the 31-year-old Darvish, excellence is coming over from Japan, uh, named to American League All-Star team four times, finished the top Cy Young voter in each of his first two seasons, missed the entire 2015 campaign with an injury, uh, 342 career ERA in five seasons. So would you like to see the, sm- 
come spend the money on you, Darvish. You look at he's 31, and they don't want to apparently spend big, big money for a long-term deal for Jake Arrieta. So we'll talk about that if you want to. 312-332-3776. Let's get to the phones. Go northwest side. And Tom, you're on ESPN 1000. Hey, Tom. Hi, Fred. Always enjoy you and uh, wanting to uh, applaud you on pushing uh, the deal for Machado onto the Cubs or the Cardinals (laughs) or anybody else because uh, you know as a White Sox fan that uh, the White Sox are not ready for the the risk-taking of Machado. Am am I correct in assuming that? Yeah, the only way I would do it is if you could get a guarantee beforehand that he was going to sign a long-term deal. But if you can't get no, that's right. The Orioles said they're not letting him talk to anybody until a deal's made. So forget that. Uh, Darvish, what do you think about the Cubs? I think Darvish is a loser. Uh, the way that he uh, 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 fell down in the World Series, uh, I I think the Cubs would be stupid in picking him up. Yeah, he didn't win the big games. He pitched well against them. Went, uh, the Cubs went six and a third and pitched real well, but when it counted, he was he was brutal. Yeah, he was he was not good at all. What are your thoughts about the Machado for Russell? Do you think that would make sense for the Cubs? That would be a beautiful deal because of uh, the personal problems that uh, Russell has had last year and nobody talks about that because i think there's probably some liability involved in speaking of it but uh uh i think that's what the cubs are got to be concerned about although he's he's cheap he got him uh locked up for four more years yeah and that's the biggest thing tom we appreciate the call uh is that a lot of cub fans are saying listen you've got a tremendous defensive shortstop for four more years of control why are you going to spend the money uh, why are you going to bring over a Manny Machado in a deal uh, for one year and then risk le- losing him and not having um, a shortstop? Now, you would move Baez over to short if, in fact, Russell was dealt. And there had been talks that Russell or Baez could be moved in the offseason. Now, maybe not serious talks and probably just talk show, sports radio talk show stuff and also some stu- talk from fans. But I know most fans want to keep that Bryant, Russell, Baez, and Rizzo infield together. But uh, Jesse bringing up the point that, you know, you would still uh, have a lot of money at the end of the year if you wanted to sign, sign, um, go on out and sign Machado, you could. Most people think the Cubs are going to make a huge push for Bryce Harper to bring him over. So uh, I, I just think that it would be a very interesting move for, for the North side. I think it would be a, a, um, a move that could get you into the World Series again. And listen, the Cubs can get to the World Series just standing pat, okay? Um, they do have to worry that Milwaukee's improving. They do have to worry that the Cardinals are actually picking up Ozuna and the Cardinals are trying to get come back and uh, get back in the race in the, the division. But it's not going to be as easy. Brewers also getting Giovanni Gallardo, a guy that uh, started his career in Milwaukee. Now he comes back to the Brewers. I thought for a while that Sabathian might become a Brewer, but he signed a one-year deal yesterday to stay in New York with the Yankees. One year, $10 million. And uh, apparently he could have gotten more elsewhere, but really wants to stay in New York. Let's go on over to the Northwest side and Joe. Joe, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up? Good morning, Fred. Great show. First of all, I'll be real quick about the winter meetings 
was very happy. The Cubs were able to sign four pitchers for around $80 million. Theo kept the contracts to a minimum, two to three years apiece. But the Alex Cobb deal, according to my sources right now, Cobb is asking for way too much. So you've got to pass on this guy. He's looking for a five-year deal for around $90 million. Why would you want to give this guy who never pitched over 150 innings that kind of money? Right. I, I would go this route, Fred. I would go after, say, let's go for an infielder named Neil Walker. Okay, versatile second baseman, you might be able to get him three years, $35 million. You could also solve the leadoff role with this guy, too. He could play a little left field, and he's got a great clutch bat. So, you know, because there's going to be a trade anyways, um, especially with these Cobb demands. You know, you Darvish is on the table. Again, that's all fine. But either Schwarber, Russell, or Baez, somebody's going to get dumped. But if you put Neil Walker into the infield, you could make a trade. You know, you could go to your major league roster, maybe trade one, and get something back for our minor leagues also at the same time, solve your leadoff hitter problem. That's my opinion right now, what I think the Cubs should be doing. Joe, do you think that 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 Walker's on his way down? I don't think so. I think this guy's a better-than-average glove. Um, he's He's been a clutch hitter. He did a great job for Milwaukee when Milwaukee picked him up. I'm surprised Milwaukee didn't go for him yet. But you might be able to help the Cubs farm system out, too. But Mikado for Russell... I wouldn't touch that deal for nothing. That's my opinion. Mikado's going to be a one-year wonder no matter where he goes, okay, because he's going to go for the gusto. They're talking three, $400 million. Look what the Cubs did when they signed uh, the Nightmare on Hayward Street. You gave that guy $184 million, and guess what? He hasn't been able to hit his way out of a paper bag, unfortunately. Okay, he's got a great glove. Uh, he's a great teammate on the team, but it doesn't solve the Cubs' problems in the outfield. You still need a leadoff hitter. You know, but Mikado, I wouldn't chance that. You know, like the White Sox shouldn't be doing it either, giving up a great farm system, uh, a lot of players down there, for a guy that's going to solve one year. Because this Peter Angelos in Baltimore, this guy's hard to deal with, okay? The Cubs are still hanging on with the Zach Britton deal. they got to blow them off. they got to say, you know what, we're going to look the other way. The Cubs should be looking at somebody else. But why would you want to give a five-year, $90 million deal to Alex Cobb? I think it's time the Cubs are going to turn the other cheek on him. I think Theo's fed up right now, but the Cubs have to start looking down the road. It's like we might have to pick somebody off, say, um, somebody else's major league roster, but giving Cobb that kind of money, Fred, I don't think so. Yeah, it seems like a lot of money, Joe. We appreciate the call, and I think you bring up a good point. I thought the Cobb thing, if it was going to happen, would have happened sooner, but he seems to be getting uh, a lot more interest, and maybe it's a little more difficult to bring him over than the Cubs originally thought. Uh, everybody thought it was it was going to happen easily because, you know, Hickey comes over as the uh, pitching coach for the North side. Um, the thing with Machado is I, I kind of think for the one year it would make sense. The Neil Walker thing, I've always liked Neil Walker, but I just I just think he's starting to get up there a little bit and he's starting to fade a little. And giving him three years for, for decent money, from what I understand, he wants good money too, uh, Neil Walker. So uh, one of the other things I wanted to make sure I brought up, and I got like a minute here to do it, uh, Buster only reporting earlier today, Scott Boris will man the steering wheel for the rest of Major League Baseball's winner. His unsigned clients, Pedro Alvarez, Jake Arietta, Stephen Drew, Carlos Gomez, Carlos Gonzalez, Jeremy Hellickson, Greg Holland, Matt Holliday, Eric Hosmer, J.D. Martinez, Mike Moustakis, Mike Pelfrey, and Jason Wirth. Now there's like five guys here that I think are going to make huge money. Uh, Arietta, Will, uh, Greg Holland, Hosmer. J.D. Martinez. Moustakis is surprising me. I kind of thought the Angels would go after him. They decided to go elsewhere. I think that a lot of Scott Boris's clients are going to find out that people don't like dealing with Scott Boris and are not going to get what they originally thought they would get. 
Um, and Jake Arrieta, if it's a three or four year deal that Jake Arrieta gets, why wouldn't he just come back and pitch for the Cubs? I'm not exactly sure about that. We'll talk more baseball uh, before we're out of here at 12 noon. We come back. Some football talk. Jeremy Fowler, ESPN NFL Nation, here on ESPN 1000. Chicago's Game Day with Fred Eubner on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Shotgun snap. Four man left. Brady steps up. Throws down the right side for Gronk. Makes the catch to the 20. Gronk to the 10. Gronk for the record book. Touchdown 69 for Rob Gronkowski. First and 10 at the 33 of Green Bay. Ben wants to throw it. He's back. He throws the pack down the field. And it's caught. Welcome back in. Fred Huebner with you here till 12 noon on an NFL Sunday. We've been talking some baseball. We may get back to some baseball talk before we're out of here at 12 o'clock. Uh, we've got a doubleheader of football right here for you beginning at noon. The Jets and Saints followed by the big one. That's right. Uh, it is week 15. Teams trying to get home field advantage throughout the playoffs. And it'll be the Pittsburgh Steelers with their 11 and 2 record taking on the uh, New England Patriots at 10 and 3. We'll be talking about that one in just a couple of minutes as, um, it's much better to talk about that than it is talking about the Chicago Bears and their 20 to 10 loss. We'll get back into that also later on this hour. We'll talk more about what's going on with the, the uh, Bears as they now fall to 4 and 10, their fourth straight season of double-digit losses. That's just not not good. But let's go right now and talk more about the game of the year, at least for this week, the game of the year. The uh, Patriots taking on the Steelers, and we go to Jeremy Fowler from ESPN NFL Nation, follows Pittsburgh. Jeremy, what's going on? Nothing much. Thanks for having me. No, thanks a lot for jumping on in for a couple minutes. I know it's a later game. We've got it here for you on ESPN 1000. But uh, the Steelers... Injuries, suspensions, everything, they continue to roll. They've lost to the Bears yeah. this year, but they've only lost one other game, 11-2. and two. Um, this, is, this is a game, I mean, it's not a playoff game, but I'm sure that the intensity of this one's got to be as much, if not more, than some playoff games these two have played. Yeah, regular season matchup could not be drawn up much better on a script. And with the Steelers, you can sense it in the building. Um, at, at times, they've even felt... You know, they're very focused, but uh, this is usually a very loose group in the locker room and pretty open with the media, and that, that has been a little bit different this week. You know, they're, they're pretty locked in. You know, they're not about to reveal anything about the game plan whatsoever. Um, so really, you know, it's going to be about the game plan, in-game adjustments, coaching wit, uh, a little bit of everything. You know, to try to get the advantage because both teams are obviously very talented. This is this was a weird season at the start of the year when uh, the Pittsburgh lost a couple of games and it was all that talk about Ben Roethlisberger before the season. Well, he might consider retirement, and then a couple games yeah. in, it's like you know he doesn't seem maybe he doesn't seem interested. He seemed pretty interested ever since October first, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, I mean he he had something to respond to. You know, rarely has he had a game like that. One of the worst of his career, probably the worst. And, uh, you know, he was still confident coming after that, but it's just that the, the parts of the offense weren't clicking, and 
he's just throwing the ball better. It just looks like um, the, the ball is coming out of his hands cleaner, more decisively, more accurate, uh, really everything. The, the last month, I don't know that there's been a hotter quarterback in the league. Um, so as much as the advantage has been with Tom Brady beating the Patriots or beating the Steelers, and his numbers are pretty outrageous against Pittsburgh, uh, Ben's numbers the last month are far superior to Brady. So at home, he runs that no huddle offense, and he's going to be confident today. How has the loss of Ryan Shazier affected this team mentally? Because obviously, we know you take a part like that off the field is going to be tough. But how has it affected everybody? Because I know that uh, he was a key part of this team, not only on the defense, but just as a member of the squad. Yeah, they're going to have to settle in because really the, the last seven quarters without him, it's been hit or miss. And they made a few plays, uh, timely plays, and the Bengals and Ravens wins late. Uh, but plays that they probably shouldn't have had to make because it was sloppy throughout those seven quarters. Um, you know, there, Brian Chazier was, he's the kind of player that, you know, he might miss the occasional assignment, but he's such a dynamic playmaker, so rangy, can do a little bit of everything, had gotten really good in pass coverage. So they just miss him. You know, he just, he was their most talented playmaker on defense, and uh, they can't really replace him. So they have to do it with, with a committee. And that's been hit or miss so far. So, you know, they're hoping that they have the right game plan, that everybody knows their role, um, and that, they, that they'll that they be able to sort of not necessarily offset the loss, but just try to survive there, you know, uh, and really make plays with the interior pressure. You know, they know they need pass rush with their defensive line. That's what the game's going to come down to. Yeah, I'm looking here at some of the numbers. Uh, the Steelers have beaten Tom Brady only twice. In 17 years, that just sounds scary, and only one since uh, 2004. Is there, in the last couple of games, the last four games have all been decided by more than 15 points. What's been the biggest problem, um, maybe I was going to say other than Brady, but what's been the biggest problem in the matchups with the uh, Patriots of late? Well, past over, they just have not had uh, either the right personnel or the right setup to do it. You know, they it's taken them years to try to rebuild the secondary. And uh, even based on last year, they just felt like they couldn't line up and run a lot of man coverage the way they that, that they feel like they need to against Brady. Because not that there's a formula against Brady, but if you, if you at least heard some chatter, you see people say it, that if you get interior pressure on them up the middle, right. and then you play good man coverage, you're going to have a good chance. And, and the Steelers just haven't been able to do either uh, consistently against them. But, you know, I think you're going to see some of that today. You're going to see some of the man mixed in. Um, you know, Joe Hayden's going to be a game-time decision. But leaning toward him, at least being able to play a little bit, maybe not the whole game. Um, but you know, they feel like they have more guns to work with in the back end, and, and so that that will help them. And really, you know, they just haven't been a great team on the road a lot of the time, at least offensively, so that's hurt them when they have to play in New England, you know, the last three times. Played him week one in New England without Le'Veon Bell and Marcus Bryant, so that's tough. And in 2016, they played him without Ben Roethlisberger at home. That's tough. And then last year on the road, Le'Veon Bell gets hurt. No Martavis Bryant. You know, so right now they're fully stocked. So that you know the, the playing field is officially level. Talk for another minute or two with Jeremy Fowler. He works with ESPN NFL Nation. Follows the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm looking here. The last three wins. By a combined seven points, uh, the three-point win over Green Bay, 
the big win to come from behind over Cincinnati 23-20. And then the Baltimore game, 39-38. It's not like these guys don't like drama. I mean, three straight weeks yeah. with tough games. And leading up to this game, it's got to be difficult for these guys. Yeah, and you can almost assure this one's going to be tight. I mean, it just feels like it's going to be that kind of game. I just, I would be shocked if there's a blowout on either side, to be honest. Uh, that's just the way the Steelers play. It's been that way for the last few years. Everything's tight. They, they really blow somebody out. I think the 40-17 to 17 win over Tennessee a couple weeks back was the real only blowout of the year, um, winning by 20 or more points. It's just, it's, I, I don't know, for some reason, it's the way it goes with them. And I think the last couple weeks they were looking ahead a little bit to New England, whether they wanted to say that or not. I mean, even their head coach said that they were, you know. So um, it, it's just been one of those things. They've been anticipating this matchup, and maybe they didn't want to show everything they had defensively once they want to show their hand so that they can be fresh and creative today. I do think there's an element of that. You know, Jeremy, we appreciate you jumping out. We know it's going to be a, a busy day for you today. Thanks for a couple of minutes of your time, okay? Anytime, guys. Thanks. Thanks. Jeremy Fowler in Pittsburgh as the Patriots 10-3 and going against the Steelers 11-2. and Jim Nance and Tony Romo, you get the big wigs on CBS later on this afternoon. And uh, because the Bears played yesterday, you get three games on regular TV today. Um, as you get the pack, you get the Packers and Panthers, which is a, a big game for both teams. And uh, then you also get the uh, Patriots and Steelers later on this afternoon. Uh, it was so interesting to me. And if you want to jump in, 312-332-3776. Is this the game of the year for you? I mean, I'm looking here, and he was exactly right that the Steelers, they, they don't win games by a lot of points. They beat Cleveland to start the season by three. Then they won by, um, let's see, 17 over Minnesota. They lose to the Bears in overtime. They beat Baltimore by 17 by the same 26 to 9 score. Think about it. 26 to 9. It's a weird score in football. Happened to them twice in three weeks. Um, they beat, they lose to Jacksonville. They get blown out 30 to 9. Then they go on their streak. That was the last game they lost. It was October 1st. They beat, they're at Kansas City. They win by six at Cincinnati, the host Cincinnati win by 15. But then at Detroit, a five-point win. Indianapolis, a three-point win. The blowout against Tennessee. Then three over the Packers. Three over Cincinnati. And a one-point win over Baltimore. A lot of close games. It should be a really good one. Uh, one of the big matchups. I mean, Malcolm Butler's got to play well today for the New England Patriots. And I, I just, I love watching the, uh, the Steelers offense. Le'Veon Bell has not nearly been the runner that we've seen in years past. I'm looking at her. He, I, I say that he leads the NFL in rushing, but for some way, reason, it doesn't seem like he's been as effective. 283 carries, um, 1105 yards, 3.9 average, seven touchdowns this year. Um, but Antonio Brown, his first catch today will be his 100th of the season. He has 1,509 yards, 15.2 average, and nine touchdowns. Smith-Schuster is back. He's got five touchdowns. The rookie out of USC, <clears throat> a rookie the Bears could have had if they were 
looking for somebody like that in the second round. I think Adam Shaheen went earlier than that, and Smith-Schuster was still available. But um, no, I mean, Adam Shaheen will be a fine tight end. At least that's what that's what we're sticking with. So uh, the Patriots and Steelers later on today, if you're out driving around or you just want to flip it on, Bill Polian doing the uh, color commentary here on ESPN 1000, Patriots and Steelers. We've got it for you, a 325 kickoff. 312-332-3776. You want to talk about that game? The other game from last yesterday I didn't bring up yet, and I wanted to get to it. Uh, it's just we had so much fun ranting about the Bears' loss, and we'll talk about that, too. You want to jump in, 312-332-3776. But everybody, I was looking forward to the Chiefs and the Chargers, and it did not turn into the game we thought it was going to, at least the the game I thought it was going to. The Chiefs got off to such a nice start this year, and then they struggled so bad. And I couldn't quite understand what their struggles were from. You lose six of seven games. What's going on? Yesterday is the Chiefs that we saw early in the year. Yesterday was what we expected to see out of the Chiefs, okay? You saw Alex Smith, 23 of 30, 231 yards and two touchdowns. Kareem Hunt, how's this? A combined 206 yards yesterday. 24 rushes for 155 yards in the score. He also caught seven for 51 yards and a touchdown. And Tariq Hill, five catches, 88 yards and a touchdown. Marcus Peters, who got uh, basically sat down by his team, which doesn't happen very often, got sat down by his team because of throwing that flag and the reaction he did, throwing the, uh, the referee's flag into the stands. He comes back in a big way for the Chiefs yesterday. Two interceptions and a forced fumble. Okay, that was pretty good. And the Chargers, on the other hand, are a team that struggled early and have been playing very, very well. Well, the Chiefs scored 30 points against their defense. And Phillip Rivers re- reverted back to the old Phillip Rivers. 20 for 36, 227 yards, one touchdown, and three interceptions yesterday. So that game kind of surprised me. I expected more from that one. I expected it to be a close game. And as a result, you see in the standings now the... Chiefs have taken the lead in the AFC West. And, uh, you know, it was a three-team battle right now. Kansas City jumping out there and grabbing the lead in that one. 312-332-3776. Getting back to some Bears conversation. Uh, talking about what happened yesterday. A 20-10 to loss to the Detroit Lions. And if you weren't with me earlier, we talked a lot about what was going on with the play calling, why a team that has rushed for 220 yards four times this year. Now, you hear that number, and you go, that's pretty good. The other teams this year, no other team in the NFL has rushed for more than 200 yards in a season more than once. The Bears have done it four times. And then think about it. A couple weeks ago, the Bears run for six yards, and the Bears run for 62 yards. Yesterday, the Bears rushed for a total of 43 yards. It's definitely play calling, in my opinion, going away from the run way too early. Doesn't seem to make any sense to me. Now, the offensive line had some problems, and John Fox talked afterwards about it. I think uh, some of it was uh, some new guys in, you know, because of some guys lost. Uh, that's not an excuse. It's just reality. Um, you know, for whatever reason, we didn't seem to – we had a lot of holding penalties, which, uh, um, you know, I think was partly due to, to uh, some of the changes. But uh, all in all, it wasn't good enough. 
No, it wasn't good enough. And uh, the thing is, they go away from the run too quick. They do seem to do it all the time. When we had Patrick Finley on in the 10 o'clock hour, he said uh, exactly the right thing. You can watch a Bears game and know midway through the first quarter if they're going to be able to run the ball and stick with running the ball. And what do we hear from Jordan about Jordan Howard? He gets better the more he runs the ball. The last game that the Bears played against Detroit, Howard rushed the ball just 15 times, but for 125 yards and a touchdown. Cohen, 9 for 44 and a touchdown. That's 24 carries for 169 yards. Yesterday, the two combined for 12 carries and 38 yards. Just not good enough. Now, I asked the question earlier to start the show today, if you wanted to see the Bears try to win and running the ball and establishing a running game, or if you're more worried about the development of Mitchell Trubisky. And do you think him dropping back and throwing the ball yesterday 46 times is a way for him to get better, a way for him to progress and become the quarterback that you all think he's going to be? 312-332-3776. Trubisky was asked after the game, what went wrong? Lack of rhythm on offense, uh, penalties. we got to eliminate penalties. And then me taking care of the football. So we just need to be better with that thing, those things. Uh, take care of the ball in the red zone, be better on third down, obviously, and uh, just execute better on offense all the way around. So last week we had a lot of juice, executed, had things rolling. Today it, it was it seemed like the opposite. So just got to go back, be critical on the film, just see what I could get better at and continue to push my teammates and get better. He also mentioned uh, yesterday that he, he's not going to be able to call out any of his guys. They're doing nothing but working hard for him. Everyone's just got to make a conscious effort to – say we're not going to make penalties anymore. We're going to play clean football. And uh, and I don't know. What am I going to say to my guys for, for holding? I mean, they're, they're blocking for me, so I can never say anything to my linemen because they're out there protecting me, and I love that. So the effort's there. We just got to keep playing technical. We just got to be sound. Same thing with the receivers on the outside. They're blocking for their running back. So I'm never going to say anything to a guy for having their teammates back, you know. So um, the, the effort's there. We just got to be uh, better with our hands and, and just keep playing aggressive. Those, those kind of things happen, but I'm um, just proud that we have each other's back. You're always blocking for your guy. You're always giving that effort. Do you get called for one here, here and there? Yeah, you do, but um, the effort's there. We just, we just need to eliminate those somehow. So uh, whether it's just setting up the blocks or, or, just, or just having better – technique so the effort's there i'm proud of that but we yeah we just gotta eliminate them i'm not sure which is tougher for a rookie quarterback in the national football league a guy that played just 13 games in college and then is a uh second pick overall in the draft after a team moves up to grab him. is it learning the nfl and being able to try to adjust to things you've never seen before and trying to learn how to read NFL defenses or standing in front of, at the podium answering questions from sports writers and sports reporters on a daily basis. He talks to the media every Wednesday. He then talks after each and every game. And um, it's very difficult for a guy to stand up there and talk. Some of the best quarterbacks it takes him a little while to get used to this. But you know what? It all comes along with the territory. If you're going to be a starting quarterback in the National Football League, you've got to learn to sit there and explain to everybody exactly what happened. Or at least give a, give your opinion and give uh, enough to satisfy the writers and reporters because you're going to get these same questions each and every week. Trubisky yesterday with three interceptions. 
Darius Lace hanging after the game with Heather Cox that uh, maybe he was, uh, you know, eyeing his guys down too much. Darius Slay with your sixth and seventh interception of the season. You now lead the league. You were facing a rookie quarterback for the second time this season. What did you see against Trubisky? Uh, that, um, he stared down a lot of things. Um, so, uh, you know, trust I, I, um, 